Welcome to Puck Talk CS. Let's talk some puck. Hockey is officially back, Chives. It's opening week. How are we feeling? I feel great. I, I love it. Um, Watching last night on the couch with my brother, that's like the all-time move, right? You got that one person. I know it's your dad for you. Yeah, of course. Of so, course. It's just um, nothing Nothing beats. I'll always say it. I've always said it to you. That Tuesday night when just nothing's going on, sit down at the end of a long day on the couch and just pop some hockey on. Like, it's awesome. Like, let's go. I'm yeah. ready. You know what? I, I didn't love the first game choice. I thought Nashville-Tampa was weird. Me too. Me too, and I don't want to knock the schedule, but the schedule's weird. Like, puck drops Tuesday, and you have the Rangers play the first game Thursday. You have the Islanders play the first game Friday. I, it's just a little weird. I, I like, uh, you know, the Bedard thing. I think it's a double-edged sword because uh, two things with that. I know you got thoughts, but B- Bedard, yeah, they hyped him up, and I, I thought you could see it in his uh, – in his free skate, like he kind of like didn't know to shoot the puck or like he kind of saw he had the jitters, but it's what happens. They've been building him like Connor McDavid didn't have close to this build up. He's got major hype surrounding him. Like major Monday night football, Joe Buck and Troy Aikman. We're talking about Connor Bernard. You know, there's major hype surrounding him. Um, And he was all right. He was all right. But as a Ranger fan, you know, me watching this game, first of all, Penguins, I know it's one game. You can't take anything out of it. But, yeah. I mean, Penguins, it's not looking good. <laughs> I'm not impressed from what I've seen, especially the way they ended last year. Um, but you can't help yourself as a Ranger fan to compare Connor Bedard to, you know, Capo Caco or Lafreniere, you know, looking at it and kind of it makes you wonder, like, it just puts in different perspective. Like these were these were our first round picks. Like and you see Bedard now. Bedard again is a skill level might be. It's not a big difference from Capo and Lafreniere, but again, there's there's obviously a, a big difference in that. Um, but I just couldn't help myself last night when I was watching that game, Charles, just comparing and thinking about Capo and Lafreniere. I I agree, and I think where I agree is there were a few chances where Bedard. I wasn't blown away, and I know that's going to be something that, you know, in three months where, you know, it's going to be like, oh, you're such an idiot. You didn't believe it. I'm like, all right, we get it. You know, I'm not big on predictions. We know Chad's ain't big on predictions. We know Steve-O's not. We'll do some hot takes. I'm going to call it how I see it. Like, I don't wear glasses, but if I had them, I'd be wearing them. <laughs> uh, I don't think he blew me away, and I think it's also like you're saying, though, Pittsburgh. I didn't think they look great, but, you know, in three months, that's going to change, and that's that's a sport. I love that Chicago one. And I love that Chicago one without Bedard. Like, he had an assist, yes. Secondary assist, I believe. Like, it's not like Bedard put up a hattie and they won the game. Exactly. You think you would think by the way they promoted this, you'd go on the NHL app, the new sucky NHL app, yeah. and you would see Bedard, two goals, three points. Mm-hmm. No, he didn't have that at all. He didn't score a goal. and It was their role, guys. Of course. Yeah, and that's what you like to see, and it gives me hope. For our team, you know, we got a lot of role guys, a lot of role guys that we brought in this offseason that I think could really pan out and play into that role this year. So, again, I don't want to compare ourselves to the Chicago Blackhawks, but maybe I think I know what it was. It was the excitement of hockey being back. I just couldn't help myself from comparing uh, what I saw last night to our team. There are two things that I I, uh, come to mind. One being how much talent's gone through Chicago. I know I've brought it up on the show before, and it's uh, it's one of my marquee points. They had 
in the last six years, Kane, Taves, like just in at the end of their primes, like I would say for the most part, right? Like their peak of hockey. Like Kaner coming in 2016 was sick. Panarin, they had Debrinkat, they had Kubalik, who was a hat trick finalist for the Calder in the COVID year. Um, they've had obviously they had Duncan Keith, Brent Seabrook, they had Marion Hosea, who was a veteran, like over the hill at that point, but you look at the talent, it's like now they got Bedard. They've had so much talent come through the last few years, and it's crazy to think that he's the only one remaining. Yeah, and now they have to pull through with him. Mm-hmm. I think if you're a Chicago fan, I mean, not to say ride or die with him, but, I mean, if he doesn't pan out, then <laughs> do you really trust this organization? Mm-hmm. But we're not here to talk about the Chicago Blackhawks. We're here to talk about the New York Rangers Chives. This year, and how about this? Let's start. Let's start off with our opening night game against the Buffalo Sabers. Do you trust this organization to come out on opening night? Puck drops. Do we think that we could give us all Ranger fans something to cheer about on opening night against the Sabers? So, where my concern is is three years ago, if it's Ranger Sabers, you're like six nothing win. No doubt, far none, no doubt. One thing I wanted to circle back to, which is part of, I think, the entire conversation. It's one of the keys to the season, right? It's the best and worst case scenario is how you said Kako Lafreniere performed. You saw Bedard. He had some long-range shots, mixed it up in front of the net when he could. Yeah, it was shaking off the rust. But you can't help to think, like, if Lafreniere and Kako don't have a great showing tomorrow, right, I feel like that puts – that that's a bad feeling off the off the jump. And the reason why? You're playing a team, workhorse from Whitehorse, Dylan Cousins, same draft as Kako. 31 goals, 37 assists, 68 points at age 22. Seventh overall Kako's year, 2019. Alex Tuck from Vegas. He was a high draft pick from Minnesota. 36 goals, 43 assists, 79 points. 27 years old. Tage Thompson, right? Do you want me to keep reading? 94 points. 47, 47, 94, 78 games. And Darlene with that 8 by 11. I still think I'm taking Adam Fox. Darlene is looking. We talked about it early last season when we still, when Puck Talks, he has covered the entire NHL. We talked about Darlene all the time. I'm taking Adam Fox too over Darlene, even though he just got that massive eight year, 88 million contract extension. You know, he's going to be coming out Thursday with some pop now that he's got, he secured the bag. And the thing about this Buffalo team is that they have the pop. This team, it can be explosive. We've seen them play teams like the Dallas Stars last year, and they it would explode and erupt with eight, nine goals. So they have the pop. And what I like about them is they fixed the one thing that I thought that they needed to address, which was the defense. Mm-hmm. And their defense looks much better this year. And I think we're going to see it in game one, Chives. The, one of my number one things that I would like to see this year or what we're going to see, I want to see how LaViolette addresses the concerns and how he adjusts to in-game changes when things are not working out. That's the number one thing I want to see, and I believe we're going to see it on Thursday. And if not Thursday, we'll see it within the first week because a lot of these guys, the lines are out there. It looks like they're almost 100% solidified. Yeah. It's going to be a lot of guys playing that with guys that they're not really used to playing with, especially on this team. 
Well, when our listeners are listening, it's game day. We'll know almost for sure the lines. Like, they'll have their morning state. You'll be listening, keeping up, which will be great. Something you brought up, too, that they have. They bring in Devin Levi. His NHL debut, April 10, 2023, a shootout win against two, the New York Rangers. Who else would a rookie goaltender have a 43-save opening game against? And he had 26 saves in another game against the Rangers, and that game went to overtime, and it took Artemi Panarin on the power play to end it. So they also have a goaltender that's hard to beat. And I think when you can defend in layers, you have those assets on the back end, the Rangers are going to need to adjust in game. And that was the knock against Gallant. That was the knock against Gallant. Yeah, and I think that's the number one thing I want to see is how LaViolette is going to adjust to all these in-game concerns. Mm-hmm. Like, let's say Panarin's not popping. Let's say the power play goes 0 for 4. Let's just say some of these lines, third line's not cooking, first line struggling, whatever concerns we might have, Lafreniere, or Kako doesn't come out like he did in the preseason and kind of sh- takes a little bit of a seat down. How is Laviolette going to handle this? And I think that's the number one thing that I want to see. And I think we're going to see it for sure, hands down. Whether it's maybe not opening night, but definitely within the first two weeks. Now, I know that we – there's no easy game in the NHL, but we have an easier schedule. And I think we could all admit that to, let's say – um, like Boston, I think our schedule is a little bit easier than them. But again, once we start getting the Devils and the Islanders, we're going to have to start making adjustments. And that's one thing that I think and I would like to, to believe that is going to improve on last year, For and especially from what I've heard. But it's one thing to say all the right things coming in as a new coach, but you got to be able to execute. And I think that that's what us fans want to see. It seems like from training camp and how Laviolette speaks to the press and how the players have kind of, uh, I, I think there's always going to be some jump when you have a new bench boss, right? Like, cause it's kind of the move they wanted. So of course it's, it's not going to be like, you know, Laviolette comes in and they're going to not try and buy in, but you could see Laviolette's feeling like the bank right now. He's got, he's got all their cash from the buy-in. And I think for the Rangers, Laviolette, I, I do sense that when something goes awry like he'll have an answer and it's going to be a thorough like a really thought out process but at the end of the day sometimes it's about results you know it is a results business and for Alexi Lafreniere what I have seen is a few of the writers and I've been curious myself we've seen him healthy scratch before do you think that this could be something we see within the next week if he doesn't perform on it, say opening night's not good, home opener's not good on Monday. Is it somewhere you say, man, you know, Jimmy VC's on the outside looking in right now in the lineup, it appears. Like Pitlick seems to have taken that spot. They have four solid fourth liners. Do you think maybe to send a little bit of a message early, you say, all right, we'll put VC in that third, third, uh, what is Lafreniere on the second line, which I know was a complaint last year, but. That's a great question. Uh, depends how or it depends where in the season uh, we are if this were to happen. If this were to happen in the first two weeks, first three weeks, I would say no. I would say if anything, he would move him down. He'd move him up. He would move, let's say, VZ's that one guy. He'll move him up. So if anything, he'll get moved down. He'll get put on another line. I think they would do that. 
I don't think they would take him out because for me, taking him taking him out is just after all this, like we surrounded our whole philosophy around backup Lafreniere, backup Kako, backup Hito, back these guys up. We need to take them to the next step. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden after two weeks, not to say that it's giving up, but it's just kind of like, okay, we're sending a wrong message. Now let's say after a month, let's say he goes like Kako, Mm-hmm. Was, was it last year or the year before? He went through like a month and a half rough stretch, stretch where Galat maybe should have sat him. If we are sitting somewhere in the middle of November, end of November, and we're still not seeing results, then 100% we should see a healthy scratch. I believe so. Um, and I think that's where Galant was afraid to pull the move a little bit. You know, we saw it a little bit, but I don't think we saw it in the right – we didn't give players the opportunity, like – play them on another line to see if that would benefit them. We just kept running back the same things. Mm -hmm. So I think that this team is taking a new approach. And I think that we can definitely see some healthy scratches if we have a couple players not performing. But I don't think you you would see it within like the first month. Yeah, I think where things got a little bit dicey with Gallant is his media view. And I think it's funny because that's what the players seem to want a little bit was when he first came, it was nice. It was like, oh, like no one really knows what's going on with us. And that's how we are liking it. We we feel insulated. It's a That's why Galan is a player's coach, backing up his players. But I think what started to happen was, you know, you see with coaches like that, not with player, uh, player coaches, but just that style of like not really informing, you know, who's going to be the starter, things of that nature. It got to the point where, and I do think this was in part because of, you know, the the front office's decision-making, but they played four defensemen for like 25-plus minutes one night because they couldn't bring up a, a defenseman from the AHL because they were trying to get Patrick Kane. Mm-hmm. And I think what was happening was when things like that started to affect the players, that's when it's like, all right, you know, obviously there's going to be an issue. And to that point before – I remember Lafreniere played with Panarin against Minnesota early last year, and it kind of clicked. And they scored a goal. Panarin scored, I think, his first of the season off of it. Lafreniere had, like, two assists in that game. The Rangers blew the wild out. But what I did notice was the next game, the lines changed. It's not about changing the lines. It's about the the thought process behind it. And I do think Galan had his own thought processes. He just wasn't informing us with that said. I do feel Laviolette's decision-making, he's going, he's going to change the lines and there's going to be kind of a, a, a reason behind it that's a little more transparent, right? That's how I feel more so than Galan. I felt like Galan would shake up the lines. He, listen, he's an NHL head coach. He wasn't brainless you know I, I do feel that because he wasn't informing us of why that he came across like he didn't know what you know exactly what he was doing but I do think there was purpose behind it I just think he was starting to lose I wouldn't say lose the room but there clearly was no system in place to ensure success by the postseason and it all fell down then right like all of a sudden the line changes are happening and everyone's like nothing's working I think Laviolette He's gonna he's gonna try a few different pairs of lines. I, I have a feeling we're gonna see maybe Fox Miller at some point. I think at this point next week or at this point in two weeks, I think we're gonna go through like 
but anywhere between four to five lo- different line combinations for sure. It's not even a question, but we're going to, we're going to test the wa- waters out. We're going to see what works and you can't really judge it off what you've seen, um, what you've seen off the first game, mm-hmm. unless like, we're like, Oh, for four on a power play. And we got like, we got thir- 30 shots on goal and we got one goal or just, or if we're just not generating quality opportunities. So that's another thing that I want to see this year is I, I don't care how many shots we get on goal. I want to see quality shots. Instead of sh- six crappy shots, I- I'd rather see two quality shots, real shots on goal instead of just guys shooting. That's one thing that I don't think Gallant did as well when you had guys like Panarin and also Patrick Kane to guys just shooting, you know, uh, just to shoot because we don't get no shots or generate nothing on a power play. So that's mm-hmm. definitely something that I want to see this year. Um, and I do want to mention that remember when Gallant first came in, Panarin struggled. Mm-hmm. Remember that whole little bit? And he, there was the reports that he was frustrated, this and that. So I'm really interested to see now um, with Laviolette and if Panarin cannot prove himself, uh, I'm giving him till December. If Panarin can't figure it out, then he's just he's a tough player to coach, man. You know what? I don't I don't think he's necessarily tough to coach, but I do think this season there's a lot of true colors. If Panarin isn't scoring a lot, listen, he's the he is the engine on offense, right? We don't give him enough credit in the regular season for that. He did have 29 last year, but, right, if he's not scoring, and, like, we're talking timely. We're talking timely goals. We're talking, you know, in the postseason 2024 next year. If you really, you know, about six, eight months from now, he's not potting a few in the in some postseason play. True colors come out, right? Like, this is what you're going to be getting the, the other two years of the contract. And I think that's the same for Kako and Lafreniere. If those two don't really – take the next step, that's who they are. And I think then at that point, you just have to adjust and say, all right, we got to figure out what we're going to do moving forward. That's a hypothetical. We don't know yet, but I do agree with you on that point. Yeah, I and I will say I'm putting this out there like as now. And I mean, he's harder to coach as in just like, who do you pair him with? You know, like, what do you do with him if he's just sitting in that middle of the lineup and he's just not clicking? But I think he'll be fine. I don't think he's – not to say that you can't get much worse, but I think he'll be fine. I don't think he'll be a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, He's a – like it or not, he's a great regular season player. Great is an I think he's, he's I the think best he's, winger in the league over the last four years, I'd say. Uh, Point, uh, for sure, yeah. I, again, the problem is not the regular season, and we don't need to worry about that right this minute. So, again, I think it's more of just adjusting to the coaching change, and it seems like our boys are doing a pretty good job at it. But, again, you know, once the reg- once the puck drops on, on Thursday, it's all different, and it all changes. So, By the way, I wanted to mention, too, I love the Wheeler-Trocek-Cooley line. You do? I think that's also I, – I, my thought was that Chris Crowder would be on that line, and they'd break them up. But then once I think Crowder's are too valuable to the top six to move him into the third line role. But I love a checking line. I wanted Tro checking Wheeler together. I did. I didn't think. I feel like if you put Wheeler too high in the lineup, you're taking a spot away from Kako and Lafreniere. And if you you have him in a checking line role, like he can still contribute and score goals. Like you're not putting him on the fourth line and then putting one of your fourth line guys out out. 
you have four, four solid fourth liners. And then Cooley willed his way into camp. Like, he's – he impressed. He did impress. He did impress. Preseason, again, is a different uh, – is a different – different type of monster than yeah. the regular season so i'm definitely excited to see what he brings maybe he does bring that little pop maybe he's jimmy vz of last year mm-hmm. you know and yeah i'm kind of now that you brought that up i think that's a good point uh because i personally i wouldn't put wheeler on that third line but i'm gonna give it a shot for sure and i think we'll definitely see wheeler move out of that spot but what's the identity of this fourth line I to me that's the bigger question that that i want to see mm. You know, so you take a look at the identity of the third line. What's the identity of the fourth line going to be? You can take a stab at this, but I don't think we're going to have an answer to this uh, in, until we see, we witness the first yeah. month. No, I think they do. I, I think Nick Benino played great down low. I think Goodrow, that's exactly where he should be. And I think having VC and Pitlick rotate or Pitlick in that role, like LaViolette, I asked LaViolette last week. Uh, maybe two weeks ago now, after a preseason game, how he thought Pitlick looked, and he called him a bowl in a china shop. Oh. He's not one for like he's not a big flashy phrases guy. <laughs> so I'm gonna say I, I think their identity is something they've missed since the last time they went to the cup, and that was a legit fourth line, like not leftovers, not this guy's not developing. This is like you have veteran guys down there, and I think they're gonna play a grinding line role, and I, I can't wait. I think that line has some well. We'll see. We'll see. But that's we'll see. My no prediction here, but I, I want to remember that phrase. We'll sitting in two months from now, yeah. sitting if we if we could bring that back up and see if that pans out. Um, but I, I overall I'm excited. I think it's I think it's gonna be great. And one thing that 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 we don't have to worry about, um, is the defense. The defense for the most part is a hundred percent, hundred percent set. And I really like I really like Gustafson. I really do. Dog. I think he's. I think his pairing and where he's playing, and just the style and the way he plays. I think that's like the one of the best underrated moves of the offseason. Really is. Rangers haven't had a. They they rotated Nemeth, Tenorti, Mikola, Nils Lundqvist. They had too many guys down there that were. But none of those guys. All those guys that you just mentioned, like Justin Braun, Fillins. Yeah, they were fill. They were a Fillins, or they just. They didn't have multiple dimensions to them. They were just mm-hmm. like very linear players. Mm-hmm. So Gustafson, to me, he's got that little offensive pop. Not where he's coming out scoring goals, but he wow. he's better with. Well, he can do that too sometimes. But he, I like him to generate opportunities, and especially when we when we're trying to get Lafreniere and Kako and Hito and everybody more opportunities. I like him as a low key candidate on this team. I really do. I do too. Uh, I, I love it. I'm loving his game. I think he was the other. He's probably their best offseason move. I think so too. I can't sit here and and pick one player right now. But if I had Agreed. to pick, if I had to pick one, I I think he's, I think he's in, he's up there with Blake Wheeler. I think him and Wheeler are on the same level. I really like Blake Wheeler. Like as as a not to say he listen. He may not come out and 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 show show up to expectations but i don't think the expectation for him is that high and you have to remember this is the former captain uh, mm. of winnipeg and he was the leader of that locker room and there was a couple of years where winnipeg made the playoffs able to scrap some playoff wins so under his leadership i kind of like him you know in in this locker room and listen starting the season off on the third line you know i i i think that there's definitely definitely some things to be cooked there i'm excited 
Rangers open up Buffalo tonight when you're listening. It will be tonight, 7 o'clock. MSG, baby. We got it on live TV. We are back. It took long enough. First round exit last year. Turn the page. We got a new season, a new frontier ahead. I'm beyond excited. Let's go, Rangers. We will see where this season leads them to. And we'll see. Opening night, it's a pretty bombastic one against a really good Buffalo Sabres team. Yeah, and we'll we'll see all of you guys next week. We'll have plenty to talk about. At that point, we got this game to talk about. We'll have to we'll talk about the Columbus game, the home opener. A lot of talk about. I'll be excited. I do want to point out this is something really goofy before we end, but uh watching the games last night on ESPN, the ESPN hockey theme, I think is so sick. I think it's so underrated. As when you think of like sports themes, you think of like CBS on NFL, like mm-hmm. you think of college football. I think ESPN's hockey theme is so sick. You know what I'm talking about? I do. I think it's sick as hell. Um, I like it, Steve-O. But that'll wrap us up here. L-G-R. As always, follow us at Puck Talk CS on our Instagram. Check out our website. You can check us out on Spotify as well. Subscribe to the website. And always remember, for the first time here, we're dropping the puck. It's just the luck of the puck. <laughs>